Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Superior Plus 2020 Third Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are on the listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you would need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, to Mr. Rob Duran, Vice President of Investor Relations and Treasurer. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Duran. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Superior Buzz's conference call and webcast to review our 2020 third quarter results. Our speakers on the call today will be Luke Desjardins, President and CEO, and Beth Summers, Executive VP and CFO. Today's call is being webcast, and we encourage listeners to follow along with the supporting presentation, which is also available on our website. For this morning's call, Luke and Beth will begin with their prepared remarks, and then we will open up the call for questions. Before I turn the call to Luke, I'd like to remind you that some of the comments made today may be forward-looking in nature and are based on Superior's current expectations, estimates, judgments, projections, and risks. Further, some of the information provided refers to non-GAAP measures. Please refer to Superior's third quarter MDNA posted on CDAR and Superior's website yesterday for further details on forward-looking information and non-GAAP measures. I would encourage listeners to review the MDNA as it includes more detail on the financial information for the third quarter as we won't be going over each financial metric on today's call. This will allow us to move more quickly into the question and answer period. I'll now turn the call over to Luke. Well, thank you, Rob, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining the call. The third quarter of the month of October, we're busy for Superior from a business development and M&A activity perspective. In July, we issued preferred share to Brookfield and received $260 million U.S. in proceeds from the transaction. We used the net proceeds from a preferred share to pay down our credit facility, and then we made two retail for paying distribution acquisition in the quarter. Champagne and Rhine. Champagne is a well-run retail propane distributor delivering over 40 million liters to residential commercial customer in the main. The acquisition of Rhine was a large transaction with annual sales of over 200 million liters in New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, and Vermont. Both acquisitions have significant synergy opportunities which are expected to reduce the valuation multiple and increase anticipated return. In October, we acquired two additional retail propane businesses, one in Southern California and one in the North Carolina. These two acquisitions were smaller in size, but are still expected to generate good return for Superior. We've, so far in 2020, we have made five acquisitions, total consideration of approximately $290 million. We're one of the leading North America, the leading North America retail propane acquirer and consolidator of this highly fragmented industry. We continue to see many opportunities to grow through acquisition in the East, USA, and the California and the West Coast. We have a robust 
robust acquisition pipeline, and we expect there will be more acquisition opportunities coming out of the economic slowdown as many smaller, mid-sized retail propane distributor companies may be challenged by the increased cost to do business coming out of the pandemic. In relation to our third quarter financial operating results, our third quarter adjusted it down was 39.3 million, 9 million or 19% lower than prior year quarter, probably due to a decrease in EBITDA from operation and higher corporate costs. The third quarter is typically our lowest quarter due to the lack of heating demand in the summer months. Overall, the results were in line with our expectation considering the challenge we face due to the impact of COVID-19, the weaker economic activity, and the impact of reduced oil and gas drilling activity in Canada and in the U.S. Our dedicated workforce of over 4,000 employees continue to serve our customers while maintaining safe, reliable operation during this challenging time. We continue to deliver critical energy specialty chemicals product to our customers and safely service the community in which we operate. The resiliency demonstrated by our team members from every level of the organization gives me confidence we will continue to execute our strategy and maintain our commitment to safety and continuous improvement through operational excellence. Our modified business practices continue with the health and safety of our employees, our customer, and local community of which we serve as a priority. As our propane distribution specialty chemical business are considered essential and critical services and infrastructure in all of the provinces, territories, states in which we operate in the U.S., Canada, and Chile. We have continued to service our customers that have been classified as essential. We still expect to finish 2020 with our previous communicated adjusted in our range of 475 to 515 million based on our current estimate and an expectation that the weather in the fourth quarter will be consistent with the five-year average. We have done an excellent job adapting and adjusting to the decline of our sales volume related to the slowdown in the economy and the low price of oil, which enables us to maintain our adjusted guidance for 2020. I'm proud of our employees and our ability to respond quickly to this unprecedented situation. We continue to realize synergies from NGL Retail East acquisition and our recent acquisition. We still expect to exit 2020 with 24 million US and run rate synergy related to NGL alone. We were able to reduce our operating expense in the US propane distribution business by 2.2 million in the third quarter compared to the prior year quarter through workforce optimization initiative and utilizing our superior wave operating platform. We developed an Canadian propane distribution business, which we are now applying to our U.S. business. Third quarter bid up from operation was uh, uh, 45.9 million, or 7.7 million, 14% increase on prior year quarter, probably due to the lowest result of specialty chemical, partially offset by our result from U.S. propane and Canadian propane. U.S. propane result for the third quarter increase compared to the prior year quarter due to lower printing expenses, the incremental contribution from second acquisition, and higher average margin. It partially was offset by lower sales volume. U.S. propane EBITDA from operation for 2020 anticipated to be higher than 2019 
currently due to incremental contribution from acquisition completed in 2020. Lower operating costs related to cost optimization realized synergy from acquisition completed in the last two years. Offset in part by lower volume related to the significant warmer weather experience in the first quarter and also to some of our commercial industrial business impact on COVID-19. Canadian propane results for the third quarter were modestly higher than the prior year quarter due to the decrease in operating expense, which I mentioned the last quarter. We had a 30 million overall cost reduction in our enterprise, including the impact of the CWS partially upset by decrease in average margin and sales volume. Canadian propane EBITDA from operation for 2020 is anticipated to be somewhat lower than during 2019, probably due to an expected decrease in sales volume, partially offset by a decrease in operating expense that I mentioned earlier. Sales volume are expected to decrease due to the impact of COVID-19 and reduced activity in the oil and gas and some slowdown in commercial and industrial customers across Canada and U.S. Even though in U.S. we're basically retail propane, one, uh, and that does not, not really affected by COVID-19. Specialty chemical results for the third quarter were lower, probably due to a decrease in sales volume of chloricolide prices, partially offset by a modest increase in sodium chloride prices, a decrease in electricity costs and operating expense, <coughs> including the impact of CWS. Specialty chemical EBITDA from operation in 2020 is anticipated to be lower than 2019 due to decrease in both chloricolide and sodium chloride gross profit related to the impact of COVID-19 and partially upset by a decrease in operating expense. So on that, I'll uh, turn it to the call to Beth to discuss the financial results result in more detail. Thank you, Luke, and good morning, everyone. Looking at the financial highlights for the third quarter, our consolidated third quarter adjusted operating cash flow before transaction other cost per share was six cents per share, which was five cents lower than the pre, uh, prior year quarter due to the decrease in adjusted EBITDA, an increase in cash taxes, and an increase in the weighted average shares outstanding, partially offset by a decrease in interest expense. Weighted average shares outstanding increased primarily due to the impact of including the preferred shares on an as-converted basis as well as the impact of the shares issued through the DRIP, which was suspended following the dividend payment in June 2020. Interest expense decreased primarily due to lower average interest rates on our variable rate debt and lower average debt levels. Average debt levels during the third quarter were lower than the prior year quarter as the proceeds received from the preferred share investment from Brookfield were used to repay our credit facility debt. Superior had a consolidated net loss of $21.4 million compared to a net loss of $59.3 million in the prior year quarter, primarily due to an unrealized gain on derivative financial instruments compared to a loss in the prior year quarter and lower SD&A costs and finance expense, partially offset by lower gross profit. Turning now to the individual business results, Canadian propane EBITDA from operations for the third quarter with 21.6 million, a 0.7 million increase compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower operating expenses, partially offset by lower adjusted gross profit. Operating expenses were 15.9 million lower due to decrease in employee-related expenses 
including the impact of the CWS, as well as cost reductions in response to lower sales volume. Adjusted gross profit decreased compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower sales volume and weaker wholesale market fundamentals. Average unit margins were 16.4 cents per liter compared to 18.4 cents per liter in the prior year quarter. This is due to weaker wholesale propane fundamentals, which have returned to historical market trends. Total sales volumes were 341 million liters, a decrease of 52 million liters or 13%, primarily due to reduced demand in wholesale, oil field, commercial, and motor fuel segments. Turning to U.S. propane, the U.S. propane EBITDA from operations for the third quarter was negative 4 million, an increase of 3 million compared to the prior year quarter. This was primarily due to lower operating expenses, incremental contribution from acquisitions completed in the last 12 months, and higher average unit margin, which was partially offset by modestly lower sales volume. Operating expenses were 2.2 million lower than the prior year quarter due to cost reductions related to workforce optimization initiatives and realized synergies from acquisitions. Average unit margins were 36.4 cents per liter compared to 34.7 cents per liter in the prior year quarter, primarily due to effective management of pricing in a low commodity price environment, the impact from the translation of U.S. denominated gross profit, and to a lesser extent, customer mix related to a focus on organic growth of higher margin propane customers. Total sales volume decreased 3 million liters or 2%, primarily due to the lower commercial and wholesale volumes, partially offset by higher residential volumes. Turning now to specialty chemicals. EBITDA from operations for the third quarter was 28.3 million, an 11.4 million decrease compared to the prior year quarter primarily due to lower gross profit, partially offset by lower operating expenses. Gross profit decreased due to lower chloralkaline sales prices and volumes and lower sodium chlorate sales volumes, partially offset by higher sodium chlorate sales prices and modestly lower electricity mill rates. Operating expenses decreased primarily due to lower employee-related expenses, including the impact from the CWS. Lastly, the corporate results in the adjusted EBITDA and leverage guidance. Corporate costs were 7.1 million, an increase of 3.2 million compared to the prior year quarter. This is primarily due to higher LTIP expense related to the share price appreciation. Interest expense was 22.5 million, a decrease of 4 million, primarily due to lower average interest rates on variable rate debt and lower average debt levels. Interest rates on variable rate debt were lower due to in, uh, interest rate cuts by the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve in 2020. In the third quarter, Superior had cash income tax expenses of $4.1 million, a $1.6 million increase from the prior year. We expect to finish within our 2020 adjusted EBITDA guidance range of $475 million to $515 million based on our year-to-date results and our current estimates for the fourth quarter. Average weather as measured by degree days for the fourth quarter is anticipated to be consistent with the five-year average for Canada and the U.S. The low end of the range accounts for warmer than normal weather for the remainder of 2020 
further weakness in economic activity in Western Canada, further weakness in North American caustic soda and hydrochloric acid markets, and any further volume decline related to COVID-19. The high end of the range accounts for colder than normal weather for the rest of 2020, wholesale propane market fundamentals similar to 2019, increased drilling activity in Western Canada, improved North American caustic soda and hydrochloric acid markets, and a faster recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. From a debt and leverage perspective, the total debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio for the trailing 12 months as at September 30, 2020 was 3.4 times compared to 3.7 times at June 30, 2020 and within our long-term target range of three to three and a half times. The decrease in the leverage ratio from June 30th was primarily due to lower debt levels and higher pro forma adjusted EBITDA. We still expect total debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage at December 31st, 2020 to be in the range of three to three and a half times, albeit at the higher end of the range due to our recent acquisition, which were financed, financed primarily using the credit facility and deferred consideration. With that, I'll turn the call over for Q&A. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you would need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. I show our first question comes from the line of David Newman from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Uh, Desjardins. Uh, good morning. 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 How are, how are you? Good. I know how to spell Desjardins. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> uh, so in terms of guidance, um, you expect to be in the range, but you previously sort of guided to the low end of the range. So I would, I would assume with Rhymes and the other deals, we're probably more near the middle of the range now. Is that uh, safe to say? Yeah, that's, yeah. A re yeah, that's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Okay. And then on the wage subsidy, uh, you had, you had uh, $17.6 million in a quarter. Any, any expectation that you'll receive anything in the fourth quarter? Um, so we're going to continue to evaluate um, the impact of COVID-19 on the business and the changing regulations. So we will assess the company's qualification for the additional uh, CWS subsidies. And I would say based on the current regs, we expect that there, um, there would be some, but we haven't done the detailed work. So at this point, it isn't clear when and if we would file. But if we did uh, the deadline, January 31st, 2021. And I, I would think best some, but less, right? Like it's going to be less than what you got because of the change in regulations, right? Yeah, we, we'd be expecting based on the current regs that there would be some. Yeah. Okay, very good. And then on the uh, operating expenses, uh, obviously you did a great job there. And Luke, I think it called out $30 million. Um, you had, had a little bit more in the, in the U.S. that you're looking at in terms of optimization. I think you previously called out like 10 to 11 million being permanent. Has that changed in terms of the permanency of the uh, of the cost savings? Yes, we're uh, no, you know, we have less volume and uh, and there's uh, chemical business, and we don't know when this comes back to fully be more busy after COVID, probably in mid year 2021, but hard to forecast that. But we do have another project of rationalization and cost structure, and uh, by the fourth quarter, we will look at for 2021 
additional cost reduction. I know right now it's at least five million, and probably looking for more than that as we finish our work. Always. And I would, would that be would that be sort of immediate or would it be kind of a spread across 2021, Luke? A spread across 2021. Okay, five million annualized, correct? And it will be sustainable. It's not a one time. Okay, and then just over on, on propane, last question. Just on, um, obviously the basis spreads have come in and on, on, in Canada on, on the wholesale side. And similar in the U.S., you know, the effective margin management you had from price increases followed by a, a roll of a rack and rack prices, it's obviously narrowing. Any sense on, as we head into the fourth quarter, uh, what the margins might look like vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, I guess, the third quarter? Yeah, we would expect um, from a Canadian propane perspective, um, historically the differential, the impact would be roughly, or what we've been seeing is roughly two cents. Um, so the reality is I think going forward, the best way to think about it is Q4 will look similar to Q3, which is a return to what normal differentials or the normal market would look like, market fundamentals. Um, so less than what you would have seen in 2019, which um, they were they were more robust at that point. Um, yeah. in, in the U.S., we would also see going forward um, some additional pressure. Um, and currently, if you want to think about the U.S. propane margins, um, you know, roughly two per, or two cents on the 36 cents would be margin management, um, which would encompass sort of that rack price discussion that you're having. So yeah. from that perspective, you know, we would expect 25 to 30 cents um, U.S. or 34 to 41 CAD for Q4 with the foreign exchange rate of roughly uh, 1.3. So sorry, 34 to 41. I think you said Canadian. Is that was that we said? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. With the lower end of the range there. Uh, yeah, I think somewhere sort of consistent with where it is now. So not the lower end of the range, closer to where you're seeing Q3 would be Got our... Yeah. Okay, and Luke, you're going to... You yeah, you know, well, when we say we're going to build a tradition in the middle of our range, we've included those uh, numbers you're asking for the, uh, the pricing. Excellent. Yeah, we've included Got it. that. So, uh, great quarter, guys. Thank, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Ben Isaacson from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Um, just uh, a couple questions on M&A. Uh, can you talk about plans or strategy to get the specialty chemicals business kind of back to a growth profile? Um, I, I know you conducted a strategic review. I guess you started at June 19 and you concluded no sale. I think it was uh, January of this year. But obviously there's been a lot of changes um, to the outlook since then structurally. Um, what do you think of the business right now and is it something that you're willing to reconsider doing a strategic review on or is there opportunities to do bolt-on acquisitions? Thank you. Yeah, no, good question. Uh, certainly don't want to do any acquisition in the specialty chemical. We want to keep all our cash for energy growth. You know, every time we buy one, and the recent one, we see a 25% bottom line improvement. So our money from a M&A point of view will go there. Uh, for ERCO, uh, yeah, we're uh, 
the tougher year yeah, with uh, oil field US, which is a good market for us, and the, uh, the paper, as you can see, it's not a big percentage of our car rate paper, 7%, but offices and law firm end up using a lot of paper this year. So it's kind of a, a rougher time for the volume of vertical. And it'll probably be like that for six months, continuing or so, and then we'll see uh, a comeback better normalized over the five, ten years better results. So for the moment, uh, we're not anticipating organizing any sales process. We'll probably look at selling it one day down the road. We do get in calls, and sometimes it looks interesting, and we communicate, of course, with people when it's a serious buyer that wants to give us a call and, and you know have a dialogue about our call, but no big process until we go back to more normalized EBITDA, which is probably you know, in 20, late 2021 or 2022, will we consider that. Yeah, um, the, one thing, the one thing that I would flag, we are currently in the process of doing some internal projects that would result in um, expansion of the business and that we would have talked about this in previous quarters, but some expansion work and the Valdosta plant in the Buckingham plant, yeah. um, as well as some work around um, some of our um, intellectual property around Pure Doc. Yeah, that's a very good point because we did close a, a high-cost, energy-cost uh, Western Canada plant, and we're enlarging the two plants on the East Coast, Buckingham and Valdosta. Buckingham should be finished this month, and we're going to be able to produce the volume we had on the West Coast at much lower cost starting 2021. Electricity cost is 70% of variable cost in chlorine, and there's a uh, Lots of uh, profitability to produce more in, those, in that Buckingham plant. And then Valdosta will probably be, it's not finishing this year, it'll be in 2021 that the work will be finished to, again, produce chlorate at lower cost for the years to come. That's yeah. great. Thank you. And then my uh, follow-up question was, um, or is, uh, it's been about two plus years since the NGL acquisition, and obviously you've done a lot of uh, small tuck-ins uh, since then. Uh, with Brookfield in your corner, do you think about doing some big transformational acquisitions, uh, the size or, or slightly smaller than NGL, or are you just focused on the tuck-ins going forward? No, uh, Ryan was pretty good size, you know. Uh, was a well, I would say mid mid size acquisition, and we have a a pipeline that's probably bigger than I've never seen since we start to do acquisition and propane. And no, we we are open to look at whatever is available for sale when they come due. There's more now because the market. A lot of people have no succession. They're getting older. They say, hey, you know, it's like there, there's uh, there's a change around the world on the. And people are saying, well, maybe it's time I get out. A bit more of that, but no, we will not, uh, uh, we will, I should say, we will look at every type of deal, uh, small, medium, or large, if they come available. We're convinced after all those years of work and the superior way and their digital uh, execution that we could buy any one of the large, medium, medium or small uh, player in propane, I mainly in USA, and improve them tremendously. So we are always on the hunt to find acquisition. Are there um, valuation differences between the large and the small guys? 
Just the rate of premium. Yeah. You have uh, the bigger one brings you bigger synergy, <laughs> so it's good. But you usually pay more for a small, uh, you pay less for small, medium, and you pay more for the large one. But large one, when you have more synergies, uh, when you overlap, you get a lot more synergies. That's helpful. Thank you so much. Yep, me too. Thank you. I show our next question comes from the line of Steve Hansen from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Oh, yeah, good morning, guys. Just a simple one on the M&A side, if I may. I, I've noticed that some of the MLPs in the U.S., uh, one in particular, has trimmed their dividend lately for their distribution with the idea of shoring up their balance sheet and returning to growth. Have you started to see any more competitive dynamics showing up in the M&A environment? I know you're suggesting the, the opportunity list is, is extremely long, Luke. I'm just trying to get a sense of whether the competitive environment is, is moving higher or if it's much the same. Thanks. Now, uh, the uh, pipeline we have today, you look at the bigger deals or the small one, we don't see any of the MLP uh, at the door uh, competing with us. And that, okay. Uh, no. That's great. Um, just one follow-up I may on the chemical side. If, if you could just speak to sort of the pricing dynamics you're seeing on the chloralkali side. We, we all see the benchmark prices, of course, but just maybe remind us how those dynamics are, are foreseen through the final quarter of the year and into, into early next year, particularly on the, uh, the chloralkali side. Thanks. Yeah. On chloralkali, the KOH is pricing is modestly higher. HCL pricing is down. And the costing pricing is uh, modestly lower, so it's not changing, but we've seen in the last month uh, a little bit more volume on caustic, and usually when volume starts to move positively, price increase follows. And you know, those uh, type of product like caustic, when it moves, it's like, it's fast. Uh, it's immediate, immediate uh, increase. Uh, we don't see the price increase, but we see a bit better volume. On the chlorate, we're in a good position. We're usually at this time of the year, we have 20, 30% of our volume we need to renew. We're at less than 10% to fill up our plants for 2021. Pricing is uh, very good and we have reduction in uh, energy costs. So we're in good shape uh, and chlorate for next year. That's great. Appreciate the color, guys. Thanks. Thank you. I show our next question comes from the line of Nelson Ng from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Great, thanks, and good morning, everyone. Um, so, just to follow up on uh, Steve's question, uh, in terms of uh, on the specialty chemical side, we've seen uh, lower, both lower chlorate and chloralkali volumes uh, for the past year, but it was obviously accelerated uh, down due to COVID, but. Have you seen volumes trough in Q3, or or have they dropped in Q4, or are you expecting a bit more weakness? Let me go first. Yeah, yeah. I think I think overall, um, if you want to think about it from a volume perspective compared to what we saw last year, I think our assumption would be in Q4 you still see modestly lower volumes in basically all of the products. But that being said, our assumption would be, um, in particular on the chloralkali side, that we would have seen it troughing, at least for a lot of the products, in Q3. 
and then some very modest growth, and it's smoothly growing as the economic activity picks up um, from co like as COVID-19 recoveries occur. So that would be our view. I think Q4 is a little bit more of a stable and then potentially starting to pick up in 2021, but mostly the pick up in 2021, our assumptions would be as you hit sort of the second half. Okay, so just, uh, so if I heard right, like from an absolute volume basis, um, Q3 is probably the trough, and then Q4 is, yes. could tick, could tick up a bit, but still lower year over year. Yes. Q4 looks better already, and next year, we believe the second half next year will start to see Clarke Align, um, some good size improvement in pricing. Yeah, and just, just to clarify that as a whole, like I was providing year-over-year -year data. We would anticipate our HCL volumes would uh, would improve moving into Q4 from Q3. Yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, and then just the uh, next question relates to the, uh, the wage subsidy that you guys mentioned earlier. In terms of the 18 million or roughly 18 million uh, received during the quarter, um, how should we think about that impacting EBITDA for that quarter? Like, I presume it wouldn't have been a straight one-for-one uh, uh, one impact for on the EBITDA. There would have been some type of, uh, I would say, inefficiencies. But could you just talk about how, like, if if you haven't received the 18 million, like, like I presume your EBITDA wouldn't have declined by by 18 million. But can you just give some color there? Um, yeah, if you think about the, the wage subsidy, um, it, isn't, it, it isn't for necessarily just the impacts in Q3. Um, like if, you, if you take the um, wage subsidy completely out and we think about the quarter and what our expectations would have been, um, we're a, slightly lower from a Canadian perspective where we were expecting some recovery from a COVID-19 in uh, Canadian propane. And we would have, in theory, thought that the differentials would have remained a little stronger, which they weakened. But net over, like overall, modestly lower than what we would have been expecting in Q3. Um, the U.S. propane business is stronger than we initially would have potentially expected within the in the quarter. Um, part of that being driven by the acquisitions um, over the last, uh, you know, the acquisitions that we saw, but also some uh, stronger margins, and uh, that was offset by some of the COVID impacts again, which is much less in the U.S. because of the um, the smaller commercial base. And then when you think of the chemicals business, the chemicals business was um, hit harder from the COVID-19 impact than we would have initially expected. So everything was pretty much in line other than the chemicals business was impacted more because that economic activity just hadn't started to recover, where when we were originally looking at the year, we would have expected it to start recovering sooner. Um, okay, to, to put it another way, so like, if you if you didn't receive the 18 million, uh, what would your how would it have impacted your EBITDA in, in Q3? Well, it's a tough question, but oh. let's say quarter four on propane, we didn't we're telling everyone that we're going to be in the middle of our guidance, so we didn't include any government grant for quarter four. 
in quarter three, there was a big disconnect on the chemical side from volume and number of people at work and then commercial and industrial. So we did get affected quite probably double what the, more than double what government grants are. You never pay the exact disconnect of the market. And then now we're back to more normal propane situation. So I know that's the answer you're looking for. I'll ask Beth if she has additional point in that regard. Yeah, Nelson, trying to, to peel in your question, if you're trying to get to what a normalized Q3, EBITDA in our minds, based on a typical typical year from an expectation perspective, think about it normalized for a Q3 in that range of 25 million. Okay, all right, that, that's good. I, I can follow up if I have any more questions. I'll okay. leave it there, thank you. Thank you. I saw our next question comes from the line of Patrick Kenny from National Bank. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Um, just on your U.S. tuck-in acquisition strategy, um, you know, we've seen recently certain cities in California announce policies that ban new residential builds from installing natural gas. So I'm just wondering, you know, how you're thinking about political risk, both at the state and now the federal level, I guess, just with respect to, you know, potential bans on residential propane consumption over time. Does this added layer of risk either change your desired pace of tuck-in activity in states like California or influence the EBITDA multiple at which you're you know, willing to transact? Yeah, the, uh, this is probably good news for us. <laughs> There's no natural gas pipeline that's going to be built in the California market. And when you think of electricity, we've done some research on natural gas, and we do that, and we've done some research on electricity, and then you think of you know, where we have propane in California, where the market of propane is in California, and those, maybe those valley a little bit east of the big city. It's, there's just nothing else that can replace propane. And there's nothing in the many years to come, uh, short and midterm, that we can even think about replacing propane. So it's probably, uh, no, like, like government California, I consider and I looked at it, Pretty much like Canada, if you think of BC or Quebec, they're very strong on always trying to promote faster, quicker, the change of energy consumption, which is a good thing, but we have our niche, eh? we're 5% of all the energy, and the reason that 5% is alive and solid is there's nothing else that can go there and give you the energy you need. So we're a field from our survey, uh, we just did three months or two months ago, or strategic plan and all the, the surveys that we have research and the industry research, we feel that it's sustainable solid. And not having any natural gas opportunities is probably good for us. Okay, thanks for that, Luke. And then maybe for Beth, just to go back to uh, the discussion around op costs, you know, coming down as you right-size the business the current environment. Um, but on the flip side, it looks like, you know, finance lease payments are up quite a bit year over year. I'm sure some of that is just related to the acquisitions, but maybe you could just provide a quick update on where your run rate finance lease payments are today and, and where you expect them to be into 2021. Um, from a, 
So from, are you talking about, well, okay, so there's one where from a CapEx perspective, um, maintenance CapEx would be lower from a U.S. perspective where we've got 10 million around lease vehicles. Um, and what we have done is we're leasing vehicles as opposed to buying, so that's roughly 15, 20 million um, from a lease perspective. Mark, are you referring to, I guess, IFRS leases? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, just looking at, you know, your distributable cash flow reconciliation. So just trying to get a sense as to what, what the run rate finance lease payment number looks like next year as well as, yeah, if, if you have the maintenance capital as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So expect roughly $20 million annually for that. And then from a maintenance CapEx perspective, um, you know, for 2020, it's $45 to $50 million. Okay, great. Um, and then maybe just last one for me, just to clean up the, uh, the full year guidance here for 2020. Uh, it looks like you're assuming five-year average weather for Q4, but, um, I mean, winter's here out west, but it doesn't look like it's arrived out east yet. Just curious um, if it doesn't come, you know, through December either, uh, what the sensitivity could be on your, your full-year EBITDA number. Uh, just from warmer weather out east. Yeah, we'll look. At, we'll gonna look at some numbers for you. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think at this point, I mean, yeah. we do factor, as we said, uh, a warmer than the five-year average winter is is you know as we're talking about the guidance is from you know why we have a lower end of the range. You know, maybe looking at it one way of thinking about it is if it is warmer, five to ten million. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I'll leave it there. Which will bring us to the low end of the guidance. Well not all the way, but that's one of the one of the sensitivities yeah. that would move you from the midpoint below. So we'll still be in the guidance. Okay, perfect. Thanks okay. Luke. Thanks Beth. Thank you. I show our next question comes from the line of Elias Fuscalis from Industrial Alliance. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, sorry if there's some background noise. A couple questions. Uh, my eyes are focused on 2021. Um, okay. And I, I want to step back a bit to Q120 U.S. propane. We saw a very warm quarter. Yeah. Um, if we normalize as I yeah. said, with my focus on 2021 and without you explicitly giving guidance, would you say the impact of the warm weather was maybe $30 million on your EBITDA or 35 or $40? Um, and the reason, quite frankly, is I'm looking at the step up for a normalized winter plus the, the contributions from the tuck-in. So if you can give me one piece of the puzzle, it might help. <laughs> yeah, I think the best way to think about the, the warm weather in Q1 is on a net basis the 20. There were a lot of um, cost efficiency and cost initiatives, and you have reduced volume um, costs associated with that. So a net 20 million is uh, is a reasonable number to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I appreciate that. Um, next uh, question, and Luke, you, you, you touched upon this, uh, and I'm happy you did. Uh, I'm going to focus on cost but I'm going to focus on the cost side in the chemicals division. I know you've moved sodium chlorate 
out of uh, Saskatoon. Is there anything on the cost side where you can permanently take costs down as you look forward to, you know, the business getting into a more normalized uh, cycle and then, you know, looking at different conditions? Yeah, there is, uh, of course, less in chemical than uh, what you can adjust in the distribution business because distribution business, your variable costs are, you know, they can follow volume easier when that's fixed plant and chemical not as much. But we do, uh, we just did the reduction of uh, giving a chance to people over, uh, I think it's 63 years of age to take early retirement. And if I'm not mistaken, Rob's looking at numbers, I think 25 people have accepted that. So we have a cost reduction uh, of those people, 25. <clears throat> we do have some cost reduction <clears throat> we're looking at in ERCO for 2021 in the tune of an extra one to two million. So there is something there. Not as easy to adjust because uh, you're fixed plan, you know, the plants are very modern and their equipment is running the production, not so much people. Uh, so not as easy to adjust, but there is a program and there is a reduction in cost of SG&E and overhead of the chemical business for next year. Okay, I, I appreciate that color. And, and one last question for me. We are, I'm going to say, six weeks into uh, Q4. I'm, I'm kind of interested how residential propane volumes, if, if you can comment on it, are trending in the U.S. And um, I, I guess I'm looking at an impact of a, a normal winter or a, a colder winter, um, according to the NOAA. And... Um, and also people staying at home. Yep. So the residential is doing well. Canada and U.S. Now we're 85, 90% residential U.S., so we see the same volume and it's humming properly. When you look at Canada, we're 25% residential, 75% industrial, commercial. So we get affected by COVID more on the commercial industrial business in Canada. Not, not practically none in the States. And our business in Canada, by the way, to your point, is residential is up, but never enough to cover all the commercial industrial slowdown that we see through COVID. But with our cost reduction, you think of this year, how we've, uh, you know, we start with the weather being warm, like you know, uh, the previous uh, question on the Northeast USA, and you start with the uh, COVID commercial industrial, you know, some help on acquisition in quarter four coming, but nothing major, right? it's only a quarter. And we end up with being in the middle of our guidance. That's to me is uh, quite remarkable. And it shows the sustainability, the solidity of our business, even in tough times. Chemical, a bit more affected, of course, with COVID. There's uh, energy much, much less. Good. Well, thank you very much for that caller. I'll stop at this point. And I agree, yes. quite resilient business. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I see our next question comes from the line of Joel Jackson from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Okay. Hi, good morning. Hi. I know it's a bit early for 2021, but I was hoping you could maybe help us understand some of the levers on the 2021 bridge. So obviously, um, you're going to have some rebounding from the macro. Um, you're going to have 
uh, increased earnings in U.S. propane from deals you did today, sorry, deals you did uh, this year, you're going to have more tuck-ins in M&A and U.S. propane. You expect that it will drive some earnings. Um, I guess there will be some offsets. Uh, you won't have CEWS benefits. But can you no. give a kind of a order of magnitude where you see with different placeholder M&A in your model what 2021 could look like in the different buckets? Yeah, there's uh, a couple of things. First, uh, somebody mentioned earlier the warm weather last year. We expect normal weather. And we wouldn't mind if it's cold and normal. So that'll be a plus. The tuck in acquisition, we don't include, you know, even though we have the rolled up and we're going to do some in 2021, we don't include what we haven't bought in 2020 in the 2021 forecast. What we will include, and we're weeks away from finishing the forecast, what we bought this year, and you know, what does that mean for the full running rate next year? So you have those two. This year's acquisition of uh, M&A, you have the weather. Those are the big uh, macro uh, improvement that we will have from the state, and not not much really no decline because of the COVID and residential. But what, are, what in your model are you planning, you know, for EBITDA growth from new tuck-ins for 21? Even, I'm not talking about your official guidance, Luke. I'm talking about just what you see and sort of what your grow earnings for next year and, and for tuck-ins. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, as we talked um, on the last call, you know, with the Brookfield investment, um, the view is that we would be accelerating M&A activity. So from a base um, tuck-in acquisition perspective, I mean, our views would we would be looking at something around $250 million. And always question is, I think, is, uh, Joe, is more what we bought this year, what does that mean on EBITDA next year? No, but no, it's, it's no, it's, it's, it's what Beth is, it's both. It's both. Okay. <laughs> you want to know our forecast makes both. We're like two weeks away from doing next year's forecast. No, no, but because you're... But the way what we bought this year going to make We're We're analysts, and we have to model what we think you're going to do next year. So Beth is saying you're planning yeah. about a quarter billion of acquisitions. So we have to... You, you can give whatever guidance you want, but we have to figure out what EBITDA will actually be next year based on your tuck-in plan. Um, so that's what I'm trying to get at exactly what Beth answered, which is sort of what you're, like you're, you're talking about, a quarter billion of acquisitions next year. Okay, so, so Joel, so the, the two pieces then, yeah, I mean, looking at accelerated acquisitions, you know, $250 million, um, is a reasonable thought um, mm -hmm. to use for that. And then if the, around the acquisitions that we've closed to date and those this year and that impacting next year, think about that in the range of $25 million. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, the other question I had was um, through the end of September, Canadian propane volumes were down about 320,000, excuse 220 million liters. It was a lot of wholesale, so 200 million. It was uh, 50 million oil fields. How do you look at in 21 how that comes back? I know I'm talking about three quarters, but what, you know, how much of that wholesale would you expect to come back in 21? Would you expect oil fields slightly up or flat? There's some other little puts and takes in motor fuels and commercial, but how, how are you able to different Canadian propane buckets coming back in 21? Hmm. So, you know, there's been a slowdown in industrial and commercial. Think of auto with quite a good volume in, in the Quebec and BC market, and that's 
really down. So to predict uh, all the, the overall industries in general are going to come back in 2021 and when after a vaccine is so hard to do. So what we usually putting our head together for in the next few weeks is we always give a guidance we really strongly believe and it's hard to predict more today than the past years. I bet you anything you would add to that? Well, I would just sort of mention, you know, at a high level and it's going to be linked to when um, a lot of the COVID-19 restrictions, but you want to think about it from a category perspective. For motor fuels, I think, you know, until um, travel returns yeah. to normal, I think you're still going to have some depressed volume on that. I mean, our assumption would be we'd start seeing in certain of these categories improvements starting in Q1, but probably not until the back half of next year, real improvement. Um, from a commercial perspective, I mean, really until you have the restricted capacity being lifted, there'll still be headwinds in the commercial area. And then wholesale, the best way to think about that is it, it'll follow the overall um, economic activity. Now, oil and gas is a bit of a, a different animal, and we would see that um, not recovering at the same pace as all of the other categories. But the U.S. oil and gas is probably coming back stronger. If, I, if we give you our two cents, and all of you on the phone are probably better equipped to do economy analysis of the world, I think, I think when it comes back, let's say we have a vaccine mid-year 2021, is more back to 95, 90, 95% normal. I think you'll see, we won't forecast that because we don't know enough, but you'll see chemical coming back, oil field US coming back, Canada, not so sure, and some commercial and, uh, and auto industry uh, that we have in propane Canada, I think that there'll be a boost when it comes back. There'll be a, a push and it'll be uh, helping us tremendously, but hard to forecast that, so we probably won't go there from a full 2021 forecast. This is helpful. If I had any feedback, I would say when you give 21 EBITDA, you should give it really including what you think will be for your accelerated M&A. And then you can maybe bucket off and say, here's our guidance to 21. This includes X of incremental EBITDA from acquisitions because that's what investors are modeling, right, with acquisitions. So you may want to consider giving a two-tiered level of guidance next year. Okay, including what we're going to buy during the year of 2021. Well, you have, well, you have placeholders and you, you have a plan. So you yeah. lock it off with your assumptions, right? We'll take that consideration, John. Thank you. And if we do, we'll be clear that there haven't been bought yet, but this is what we have shown and what we intend to do. We're going to be, I hope everybody in the call understands that we've been extremely open, transparent, and we give you the right, the good, the bad, the ugly. We don't fall back here. Now things are unfolding. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I sure our last question comes from the line of David Newman from Desjardins. Mr. Newman is back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a quick follow-up that kind of completes the puzzle uh, on you know, your 21 forecast. You know, summary, you, you generally take the time to kind of really uh, focus on initiatives. And one, one we haven't talked about in a while is your sensor program and my superior and you know what you're able to get done this year in Canada and I think you have plans for the US for 2021 
and how meaningful that, that could actually be to EBITDA in terms of efficiencies and locking in uh, stickiness with your customers? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I can assure you, the art project and works as we speak all the time. So we went from you know, 80% operating cost to the 56, 57% overall, and there's room there to build over. Uh, there's an initiative on project that we're testing now with the digital on dispatcher across Canada, and we're testing in one particular area. As we see the uh, simplification of our forecast of the weather, the customer base, the sensors we've installed, the digital approach, once we have the test proven good, we'll apply it across Canada and then across the U.S. So those programs are a big lift that's been done up to now. I believe there's, in our forecast for the strategic plan, there's a percentage increase every year of efficiency that we'll continue to do. Probably not, the, not as big as 80 going to 57, but can 57 become 56, 55, 54? Absolutely. And, 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 and where yeah. do you stand in, in Canada overall, Luke, in terms of the of the implementation? And my understanding is you were you were you, you hadn't even started it yet in the U.S. So w yeah. what sort of the status? Well, in Canada, uh, the big heavy lifting is done, and we're applying that now in the States. And then when you look at other projects that we didn't know two years about, or even 18 months, how do we uh, get to a better return so that the logistic of sending the trucks and filling the, the tank and more filling, but also a full room day of eight hours work to maximize the region, you know, with a truck, there's another level of opportunity there. And what we're developing is doesn't exist in our industry, so we're testing that in, in an area. As soon as we have the proof of the concept, then we'll start executing, and then we'll be in a better position in six, nine months to say, okay, that's worth so much, and in 2022, uh, we'll reduce our OPEX accordingly. And um, just to, to answer more specifically uh, from a sensor perspective, in Canada from a volume perspective, we would be at a state now where roughly 70% of the volumes in Canada are now covered under um, uh, you know, um, sensors. In the U.S., uh, we have been very quickly um, achieving putting the sensors in, so we're actually at 40 to 50% in the U.S. of volumes now as well. Okay. And, and, uh, what do you think the incremental delta could be getting that up to 100% in terms of your, you know, you talked about going down to, you know, 54, 55% uh, on OPEX. Um, so your, in your business cases, what, what sort of EBITDA contribution might that mean at the delta, on the delta? So let, let me answer first that you never get to 100% if some of the things are don't take enough volume to install a system. Okay. Yeah, some very small residential, you, you don't do that. Uh, now, every new install, we have it integrated. It's already, all the new install, we have it on, because we do it up front. It's not an extra cost, much for us to do. And then to your point, what is every point of OPEX reduction, Canada, U.S., is in dollars, which we have, uh, and they're 2021, 
know, the, the proof of the model we're talking about will be more 2022, 23, 24. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we can do that right now in a one point. What is it, Ward? We might have oh, to I get back to you now. Yeah, we'll get back to you on that. And more importantly, too, beyond just the cost savings, I mean, once you've got these sensors on there, I mean, you lock down the customers, do you not? It becomes a competitive moat. Yeah, you reduce your attrition a lot. And to have a customer that is a guaranteed supply because of the connection, the digital, the information they have on their phone and the billing that they can control and understand properly, it's calling, you bring so much glue to those customers or those national accounts is the same. We're saving them a ton of money. They don't need people to count tanks and volume and the, all of the billing for the volume they use. It's all digitalized. We're saving those big national accounts, tons of people, and residential the same. So you're ending up with having so much glue that those customers are not going anywhere else unless you just treat the price so much that they start to say what the heck's going on which we don't do. So you're adding a lot of glue and becomes a very solid customer for a long, long time. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That concludes our Q&A session. At this time, I'd like to turn the call back over to Mr. Luke Desjardins, President and CEO, for closing remarks. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. and. Uh, for your question. I look forward to speaking with you all in the, the fourth quarter. Exciting uh, time, uh, some exciting positive M&A and growth, but uh, we continue to execute on our growth strategy, of course, through acquisition. We know we can significantly improve the operation when that finish. There's always a great opportunity to simplify digital life. Uh, of course, no, no doubt there's stuff here that we have to adjust costs, which we did plenty of, and we're going to continue to look at that. Some of your questions today were referring to that. Challenging time, no doubt. We're still quite, still quite good at what we're be in our guidance with everything that's going on. We feel quite good in everything that's been done for employees and our service to customer. We do test and service to all our employees and customers, and the quality of efficiency is improving in tough time like that, so good, good stuff from all our employees. So um, I know for all of you it's hard to predict what's going on to what degree, and we'll help you uh, in the next quarter with our guidance for 2021. So, and that, uh, wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for participating. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.